This is Bet MGM tonight. Join us for live sweats. Yes. Let's go, Kansas State. That was a big balls three. Three minutes ago. Big balls three. Instant reaction. This is an unbelievable thing for me to see. My favorite team, my true favorite team. Less mistress, more side piece. And maybe a few regrettable decisions. Oh, he's got bust written all over him. Gudikin sucks. Jordan Edison ran a 5-3-40, and he's Tristis height. I'd take him. You know what you shouldn't have done? Bet on the Wizards. Yep. Now, live from Washington, D.C., it's Ryan Horvat, Trista Crick, and Nick Ashew. Trista Nick tonight uh, with the scoring is picked up in this Cavs-Mavs game now. 60-53, to 53, under a minute to go in the first half. Donovan Mitchell's got 13. Luka, shocking, has 24 points on 8 of 14 shooting. Kyrie quiet, though. 3 of 10, Trista. Just 1 or 2 from 3. He's got 8. Sometimes it's that simple. Also... Uh, let's check in on our Orlando Magic, our Orlando Magic. We talked about our who would magic. be the one to step up for Paolo Bancaro, Banchero, who's been sitting on the bench due to injury <laughs> or sickness or something. Uh, Franz Wagner, 16 points so far. We gave him out to look at his player props. It was 22 and a half. There's two minutes left to go in the second quarter, Ashu. So that's that's looking really good. I didn't take it, but I gave it out. Also, Mo Wagner, his number was... Ten and a half. He has eight points so far in this game, and they're up fifty-five to forty-one. It was my favorite bet on the board. Orlando minus six and a half. They're up fourteen points, and then also we're looking here at our man Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole is doing mm-hmm. his very best uh, to continue uh, the the reign on the bench. I think his number was seventeen and a half. We gave that over out. He has eight points. Uh, 31 seconds left to go in the second quarter. So that's going to, that looks like it's going to be a little bit of a sweat. But the crazy thing, though, Ashu, is that Steph Curry, 0 for 6 from the field tonight, zero points, no points. Uh, Draymond Green has four assists and three rebounds, though. So the uh, the parlay I gave out is still alive, which is over 17 and a half for Jordan Poole, uh, over five and a half assists for Draymond Green, and over seven and a half rebounds for Draymond Green. Yeah, Jonathan Kaminga, too. He stepped up with Steph Ooh. going 0 for 7 in the first half and 0 for 6 from 3. He's got 12 points, 6 of 7. Wizards only down 2 at halftime to the Warriors. They're hanging tough, T. Hanging tough and avenging Jordan Poole. They want to go there and show he's our guy now. This is his team. It's probably not going to be the case. Warriors will pull away in the second half. I know it's not the Warriors of old, but let's be honest with ourselves still here. This Wizards team is as bad as anything could possibly get. All right, NFL offseason, yeah. we know, just the, just the beginning of a year-round. I mean, it's, there's always something in the National Football League as we get ready for the draft. We're in the lying season. Free agency is going to kick in soon. It's already become franchise-tagging season, which is always a controversy when guys don't want to get tagged. They want their long-term deals. John McMullen jumps on with us now. SI Now and, of course, many other outlets where you cover the NFL and the Eagles. John, I want to start with, though, just the overall uh, surprise with the – where the salary cap is now going to end up for this upcoming season in the NFL. Do you think that that's now going to contribute? Because we've heard a few teams say this. Do you think that that's going to contribute to a lot of teams maybe being more aggressive than they initially thought, just given the fact they're like, hey, we got more money to play with now? No, I think if you heard, you've heard a lot of the GMs talk at the Combine today, and it's, you know, the new age GM, they tend to be a little bit more disciplined than maybe in the old days. So, I think if you think about it from a logical perspective, yeah, it's about 30 million more, but you know, everybody gets it. 
So it's not like there's any advantage to a particular team. Now, if you're one of those teams that has to do a lot of things just to get under the cap, sure, it helps you a little bit. Maybe you don't have to make a difficult decision on on one player. But if you're at the other end of the spectrum and you got a ton of money, it just gives you a little bit more. But, you know, you want to be in that middle because the teams that have a lot of money tend to be really, really bad in rebuilding. And the teams that have no money, like New Orleans every year, is kind of mortgaging against the future. You want to be right in the middle, and those guys tend to be really, really disciplined. It's not going to affect their plan all that much. I'm curious because you mentioned the salary cap going up, and it doesn't seem uh, to be enough, really, for the Chiefs to be able to keep everybody on defense. They've got like four guys on the defense that they have to try to figure out a way to pay, and they're not going to be able to pay them all. The newest news is that the Chiefs look like they're interested in either tagging or trading Snead, which means they couldn't tag Chris Jones. What do you think the Chiefs do this offseason to try to keep the dominance that they had on the defensive side of the ball? Yeah, I, I think you're going to see them uh, work out a long-term deal with Chris Jones. I think, you know, Chris kind of gave it up <laughs> a little bit too much celebration. Uh, he doesn't want to leave. He wants to be there. Uh, he made a little bit too much money, so if you franchise him again, you got to go up 10%. It's just not feasible uh, for Kansas City to do it, so they've shifted gears to Snead, and that's a situation where, um, you know, it's more likely to be that sign and trade than anything else. You just don't want to lose a player like that, obviously, and, and, and you put the tag on it so you assure you're going to get something in return. Now, I don't think you can negotiate these things and you can um, frame it in a way where it's serviceable for both sides. So that's what they're trying to do. That's what they're trying to accomplish. But you're always hopeful that you can get things done, maybe a, a little bit of a hometown discount. But, you know, I don't blame players for going getting as much as they possibly can. I never... I, I never look at them in, in, with cross eyes or anything of that nature because this is the only sport. Think about it. You guys cover everything. This is the only professional sport where the best players tend to not even get to free agency because they're going to get tagged anyway. So they don't have that sort of ability that the other sports have. So you got to go for everything you can get while you can. Yeah, which is what made it so wild even the last couple of off-seasons, even just seeing quarterbacks changing teams. You don't even get that very much. It started with Tom Brady, and that was weird. And then you have these little spots where it goes, but you're right. I mean, the tags are there. You've got so many teams that are just doing everything they can to try and keep that roster together. And then you've got quarterbacks that may be on the trade block like Justin Fields. I feel like now, and I don't even – I would say, I'm John, I'm probably not reading into this. I'll see if you feel the same way. Ryan Poles – basically saying today I'll say this when asked about a trade for Justin Fields if we go down that road I want to do right by Justin as well potentially saying that they would move him and they'd want to move him quickly it just feels inevitable at this point right that they're going to take Caleb Williams number one Justin Fields is going to get traded and anything else is just lying season yeah it's lying season I, I mean at the bare you have to understand from the Bears perspective you know even if if you want to sell that they still think Justin Fields can turn into a superstar quarterback you know, already you're you're too far into the clock for a rebuilding team. So you want to reboot it. You want to have that rookie deal. You want to have that little bit of space to try and, and build up a team at the same time as you see with San Francisco. I mean, that's 
a perfect situation. You have a seventh-round pick who hits, and you're able to build that roster. Back in the day with Seattle, if you think about Russell Wilson early in his career when he didn't have to pay him, the Eagles, who I covered with Jalen Hurts before his second contract, they were able to build these big-time rosters. That's not a coincidence. It's easier to do it when you don't have to pay the quarterback. So at the bare minimum, I I think that's the part everybody's missing. The Bears want to start the clock over again. So uh, they're going to to trade Justin Fields. There's no question about it. The only inkling of of what are they going to do has to deal with, and you're right, most likely it's going to be Caleb Williams, but there is a flavor aspect to it. Some people like Drake May better. Some people even like Jaden Daniels better. So they could throw a curveball in that direction and like a different quarterback, but make no mistake about it, they're going to take a quarterback. As someone who covers the Eagles, you know quite well the perils and the trials and the tribulations of the New York football giants. Obviously, Daniel Jones got his money last offseason, but we're now hearing whispers that the Giants are open to drafting a quarterback in the first round this year. What do you think the Giants do, and and who do you think that they end up targeting? Because it feels like it's such a a J.J. McCarthy franchise. Yeah, that that, that one concerns me as well. Uh, You know, and it's probably not fair to J.J. McCarthy because you have to be careful. You know, there's a in the scouting world, there's a bunch of adages. You don't scout the helmet. You don't. Uh, uh, it's not his fault that Michigan was so good and they played the way they played. You have to evaluate. The, the whole trick to it is not what he's done in the past, what he can do in the future. Uh, but still, I mean, he hasn't done that much and he wasn't asked to do that much at Michigan. So that concerns me if you're going to talk about it taking him in the top 10 of the draft. And I, and by the way, I believe he will be taken in the top 10 of the draft. So I'm not trying to say it's not going to happen because I do believe it will happen, whether it's somebody trading up. But, you know, there's so many quarterback desperate teams in this league, and there's a real possibility you're going to go one, two, three with quarterbacks, with Williams and, and, and May and, and, and Jane Daniels. So then – you have all these other teams looking for quarterbacks and they might make that desperation move up for J.J. McCarthy. And who knows, it might work, but uh, if you're a GM, that is a bold, bold thing to do. And for the New York Giants, they made their decision with Daniel Jones. It might not be a good decision, but they got to ride it out for one more year. I don't think they're going to be the team to do it. I think the good thing about the Giants is They've tried to build a team around a running back for so long. At least they're going to get away from that. That is a terrible way to build an NFL team in the modern era. It just is. And they have to move on from that mentality of, oh, we have to build our offense around Saquon Barkley. Where has that gotten them? It's a waste of time. Talking to John McMullen, BetMGM tonight. Uh, you wrote something for SIC here about the Eagles' potential youth movement, or at least the fact that they should do that. What what will this Eagles offseason look like in your eyes, given that you want to see them have a youth movement, and we've already seen change at coordinator for them? Yeah, I mean, that was more Howie, Howie Roseman saying that today at, at the combine. Mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, they they have been in this window 
where they were a significant contender. They uh, uh, perceived themselves as a significant contender again last year, even though they fell apart. So, you know, when you are that, you tend to lean on veteran players, and understandably so, and, and you're very hesitant uh, to play younger players, and that's what the Eagles have been over the past two years. So if you see some of those top-level draft picks, whether it was Jordan Davis, Nicobe Dean, a couple years ago, last year it, it was um, Jalen Carter got to play because he's so talented. But, you know, even guys like Tyler Steen and Cindy Brown, uh, they're redshirting these premium picks, those day one and day two picks. And, you know, you got to get those startup costs out of the way. So it, it's sort of, you're trying to serve two masters. It's difficult. You got to be disciplined. But I don't think the Eagles have been good about getting people involved, whether it's Nolan Smith. You know, that was the 30th pick in the draft. He barely played last year. And, and you know, N'Kobe Dean, I bring up again, he had 40, I believe it was 47 snaps in his rookie season. And when he does get out there in the second season, uh, he had some injury problems. But when he was out there, he didn't play that well. And it shouldn't be a surprise because – you didn't get that st- that startup cost out of the way. Yeah, do you think that the Eagles end up just trying to get their back end fortified? Because the secondary looked so terrible compared to how it was just two years ago when the Eagles were in the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's amazing how it fell apart because you're you're talking about really losing, you know, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, who was a, a playmaker, but, you know, I don't think anybody looks at him and says that's an all-pro level player. Uh, you lose Marcus Epps, uh, who's a, a solid player, but, again, not spectacular. And and they were, you know, top two pass defense in the NFL. Uh, and, and all of a sudden, the, the, the floor falls out from under them. James Bradbury went from having an all-pro season to, to being – uh, uh, re- playing really poorly. Avante Maddox was hurt basically for much of the season. Uh, so they took a real down tick, um, and they need to revamp that defense. I would argue they need to revamp that scheme. I think uh, people have kind of caught up to the Vic Fangio scheme. So many teams played it. So many teams copied it. Instead of turning away from it, though, the Eagles went out and hired Vic Fangio. So it's going to be the same scheme. And I know Eagles fans are excited about getting players like Snead. And, but remember what Jalen Ramsey and Xavier Howard just said. I mean, J, uh, Jalen Ramsey just tweeted out, I'll never forgive him for not using us correctly. You know, he's a zone-based defensive coordinator, and people are looking at press coverage corners. It's not going to take advantage of that situation. So you need to get the right scheme fits. But if you are going to play that that defense, Vic Fangio's the guy because he's not a disciple. He is the architect of it. Mm-hmm. So if you want some positive, at least you got the guy who understands it, can teach it the best. Yeah, John, without question, it's a perfect example of how fit is. It's more than just having talent. You got to have fit. All the pieces certainly got to come together. John McMullen, great to talk to you again, man. Thanks for coming on. Good stuff. Hey, thanks for having me. All right, it's Bet MGM tonight.
We're back with BetMGM tonight on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. 64-62 Cavs over the maps, 844 to go in the third there. Big lead for our magic trip, the 63-44 over the Nets. Wizards hanging tough, though. They're only down six, 70 to 64, 921 to go in the third quarter of the Warriors. Then, of course, now in the John Collins revenge game, let's remember, uh, zero points, five rebounds. So, yeah, not a good start for him against his former team, the Atlanta Hawks. Good God. No, he's done nothing if, so far. If the Philadelphia 76ers beat the Boston Celtics at home, I think they've lost twice at home. I will eat my shoe. I will eat my shoe. There's no reason that this should be going on at all. (laughs) Yeah, you've got Tyrese Maxey. Tobias Harris, of course, the bum, has his best game so far. Has seven points already. Tyrese Maxey balling. It's just they're getting something from everybody. Mo Bamba's got five. Ricky Council, the fourth, has four. I mean, there's like ten guys that have scored. It's crazy. It's, you know what it is? It's regular season NBA night in and night out. But as we know... When we're still only halfway through the second quarter, there is a lot of time for this game to change and a lot of chance for you to be able to say, oh, okay, it's not, uh, well, then again, need Tobias Harris to pretty much just not do much else the rest of the game. So that may be a Correct. tough spot to, to certainly be in. But uh, John McMullen joined us last segment. He, it, and I think something that really, like, I wouldn't say it stands out to me, but I'm just glad that he was somebody that was very logical and just honest about the situation that's going on with the Bears, Trista. Ryan Poles, their GM, coming out and essentially, like, tipping his hat, saying they're like they're going to trade Justin Fields. We know this. Anybody that thinks the Bears would do anything else are allowing themselves to be lied to. The Bears are doing something that not only, like, they're in the perfect situation. The football gods have bestowed their power down on the Chicago Bears, and they've said, it's finally your time. Here's your chance to do it the right way. Not only do they have a top 10 pick, but they got the number one overall pick in a trade they made last year, trading out of a spot so they could give Justin Fields another year at quarterback. They realized, ah, you know what? This isn't going to work. We can't keep pushing. You're kicking the can down the road every single year, waiting for Justin Fields to show us that he's enough as a franchise quarterback. They get to reset the clock on that quarterback contract, which is a huge deal because in a year, we're going to be talking about, is Justin Fields worth a big contract? Is he a franchise quarterback? If we had those conversations with Lamar Jackson and Dak Prescott, I mean, with Justin Fields, he hasn't proven what those guys have proven yet. It's a no-brainer, and I would it is as close to a lock as possible that it's quarterback at one for them, likely Caleb Williams, and Justin Fields gets traded. Nothing else makes sense. Don't believe anything else because you're being lied to. If the Bears were to keep Justin Fields and trade down again and pass on Caleb Williams and just stock up a bunch of picks and see what happens with it and figure out quarterback later, then it's organizational malpractice and everybody should be fired. Yeah, I can't wait to talk to Lawrence Holmes later on in the show at 10 p.m. because I'm looking here at these odds. And, of course, Caleb Williams is the presumptive favorite. He's minus 1,600 to go first overall. However, yeah, Drake May, plus 1,100 to go first. Jaden Daniels, 25 to 1 to go first. I'd love to get a little intel on whether it's just Caleb Williams and no one else in the mix because we know it's it's only February 27th. We've got two full months until the draft. Mm-hmm. Combine's just heating up. Pro day hasn't happened yet. Obviously, Caleb Williams isn't going to throw in his pro day. He said that. 
So then you got the S2 test. And in those two months, I promise you, there's going to be some shift in around in terms of how people feel about these quarterbacks. I would love to hear how he feels about the Bears and what they're thinking because it's a three-horse race. We know that the Bears are going to take quarterback. But if you're getting better than 5-1 to one odds, you're getting over 10-1 to one for somebody else, Jaden Daniels and yeah. Drake May, it's worth a flyer. It's worth a bet. And as a Commanders fan, I would love Caleb Williams to fall to number two. So if we could make that happen and will that into the uh, into the universe, I would love to see that happen. But you know, this you're right with with the two months that you have here, it's it's time for teams to make stuff up, but it's also time for certain players to either raise or lower their draft stock. The problem with some of this is it's going to be more about quarterbacks raising their stock with good combine, good workouts, because you're not going to see Caleb Williams or Drake May throwing at the combine. They're just going to do medicals and interviews. But those guys don't need to. I don't have a problem with that. It makes sense. Honestly, it's the, to me, it's the same as certain stars sitting out bowl games that are meaningless because they want to get ready for the NFL and don't want to get hurt. Like, that That makes sense. At some point, they're going to have to have their pro day. They're going to have to have their workouts in front of scouts, and those will happen. We saw it eventually with Anthony Richardson. His physical gifts wowed teams. We knew that was going to happen. It was the most predictable situation we could have had in the draft last year. The guy threw the ball at the roof of a, of a field house. I mean, that's all teams need. They see big arms in the NFL still to this day, and it's just like, oh. I mean, I remember Kyle Bowler doing that, throwing from his knees from the 50-yard line through the, through the uprights, and it's like, well, okay, yeah, but can he actually hit a receiver in stride? And he couldn't. It was the same thing with, uh, I mean, Zach Wilson years ago where he's throwing these, these wild throws and you're like but he's not going to be doing that in a game so you can show these things off teams will get enamored with the physical gifts of players not just quarterbacks obviously you'll see wide receivers with a really fast 40 time right guy goes out there runs a, a 4 2 8 40 and you're like oh my god so they get drafted higher because they've got speed and teams want speed but you also still have to have some of the intangibles and some of just the basic skill set that translates to an NFL field and sometimes you'll see teams overlook that, but this is starting to get to be the time now where you're going to hear names rising up draft boards. And if, let's say, Michael Penix Jr., right? Let's say that his medical evaluations are good. Big injury history earlier in college, especially when he was at Indiana. But what we saw him look like once he gets to a national championship game and in the season that he had and, you know, the, the best team in the, uh, you know, the best Pac-12 that we've had in two decades then you're going to see teams justifying it going, we want him, and he maybe creeps into the back end of the first round. And I, I think that's really where the draft starts to get wild. Yeah, also uh, you talk about your commanders, and there's been you know a lot of different NFL pundits that cover the draft and talk about the combine, all that stuff, that think that there's a possibility that the commanders are going to try to wheel and deal to get the first overall pick, Caleb Williams, yeah. D.C. guy. So the field, team to first – Pick first, Bears minus 1,000, no value there. Field plus 510. Is it that crazy to think that maybe the Bears aren't enamored and that they're like, oh, well, we'd be fine with Drake May. Drake May's pretty good, too. It comes down to a team that's willing to offer so much that the Bears just say, we've got to make this happen. Look, Chicago needs a quarterback, and they need to move on from Justin Fields. So let's say they trade him for a second rounder and like a conditional mid-round pick, like a fifth round or whatever. That That's still great value, and it's, and it's next year's draft. Maybe the second rounder's in this year's draft. Okay, but if another team comes in and wants to jump up, like let's say the Giants come in. Are you as the Bears willing to go down from one to 
what were the Giants at six? Yes, yeah, six, because you got the Chargers at five. Are you willing to go down those few spots knowing that there's a good chance you're not getting one of the top Can't three quarterbacks it. in this draft? It's right. I, I would not do it. And I we hear this narrative time and time again. And yes, sometimes it does make sense. Trade down, get more picks, get yourself, you know, a, a, another tackle and, a, and an edge rusher or a corner, whatever some of your team's needs are, because you're rebuilding and it doesn't matter. It's not going to help the development of a quarterback. Sometimes that works. For the Bears last year, that strategy worked, and that's what they did. And they built up this roster, and Justin Fields got another opportunity. You can't do that two years in a row. It would be, it would have to be the biggest offer in the history of the NFL draft in any trade if I'm running the Chicago Bears to make that trade because this is an opportunity where it's it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity given the, the, with the seven wins they had this year, yet still getting the number one overall pick with a quarterback at the top that's being compared to Patrick freaking Mahomes. Now, I get it. Comparisons are dangerous. I understand that. But in reality, you have had everything fall into your lap right now. But there's a chance that a team does that because – teams are crazy and it's the NFL draft and there's a lot of quarterbacks at the top so yeah going back to that plus 510 for the field you might still want to put maybe a little bonus bet on it a little sprinkle on it just in case something wild does happen do I think the Bears should do that and trade out absolutely not do I think that there's a team crazy enough to offer something that they can't refuse a godfather offer yeah it could be possible do you think that the commanders have enough to wow the Bears say it's Terry McLaurin and mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe a young guy on the defense. And obviously you give them your first round pick. You'd probably have to give maybe a first round pick next year just to move from yeah. two to one. Yeah, it really, it wouldn't be that much that they'd have to give up given that it's only one spot, but it's enough where you're you're swapping first round picks, which who cares? That's what you want to do anyway. It's a first next year and maybe a third. I mean, they stockpiled some extra picks with the, you know, the deadline moves that they had. And maybe they give the Bears back the pick that they gave them for Montez Sweat. So you work out a situation like that where that becomes the scenario. Uh, I Listen, Washington has a ton of cap space. I, I, they have the most cap space now in the NFL. They're looking at potentially $96 million in cap space. If they can get aggressive in free agency and get some talented players that are young, you still want to get some younger guys and not do what they did when Dan Snyder took over the team and they're paying Deion Sanders and Bruce Smith at the end of their career when they're just trying to get an extra payday. But to move up one spot versus like what they did when they moved up to get RG3 at the number two spot years ago, or, you know, when you start talking, jumping up six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 spots to get to a top two pick in the NFL draft, that's when it gets expensive. Washington definitely has the assets. It's just really a question of like, what is the asking price? And then if you're the Bears, right, you got to say, okay, move down one spot. We like Drake May anyway. They want Caleb Williams. That works for us versus maybe a team's offering them more future first round picks, but you're going to like eight where the Falcons are because the Falcons need a quarterback or you're looking at seven or six and it's like then we miss out on what we actually need at quarterback we're already going to move on from Justin Fields we've made that decision so really you may be giving less if you're Washington if you decide to make that offer but if you're Chicago it may work out better because you still get who you want and you get some extra assets so that may be even the better direction is it's just Washington or I mean God forbid the New England Patriots decide to trade up right you're only moving a couple of spots and they don't have to get out of the top three and they get somebody that they still want a quarterback. Right. I mean, it's a different scenario than what Car- Carolina did last year, right? Wasn't yes. one spot. So that's – yeah, and and it's just a better quarterback 
draft this year, right? There's there's three guys oh, yeah. that I think everybody wants, and we know that this is a much stronger draft than it was last year. And let's be honest, like it's C.J. Stroud, and that's that's pretty much it, right? Like we've got issues in terms of what Bryce has become initially, and you could say maybe mm-hmm. it's just the fit and the offensive line, but they made the right decision last year. The question is, Will they do something like that again this year? So I can't wait to talk to Lawrence Holmes at 10. Like, could we take plus 510 the field for someone other than the Bears to to trade to a pick first? Yeah. And you're looking at two teams if they trade up, if Patriots or Washington trades up again, you kind of get you get the best of both worlds of your Chicago. So maybe that does work for them. I'm not doing it if I'm then, but that's certainly, you know, that's a possibility, which kind of makes it interesting too if you look at some of these other markets, right? Drake May is the favorite to go second overall at minus 135. Jaden Daniels at plus 145. Third overall is Jaden Daniels plus 160. Drake May plus 190. Now, it would be awesome if you could parlay both these together and do second overall, third overall, and just flip the scenarios. So you're like, you're guaranteed for one to actually happen. But you can't do that. That's just not how it works. They restrict you from doing it. But realistically, this comes down to... Jaden Daniels and what the workouts look like because he's got that athleticism that everybody wants today, right? You want that quarterback that has the mobility, but you have more size, at least weight-wise. They're both 6'4", with Drake May. And you've got the big arm, but you kind of have some of that effort mentality like Josh Allen has, right? But with Jaden Daniels, you're watching a guy that's incredibly athletic, but you also worry that sometimes he takes some really unnecessary hits, and you know he's a little bit slender right now. So He's got to prove that he can physically hold up right away for a team unless they're just not going to start him. And I think that's really going to be a big part of the decision-making when it comes to Drake May over Jane Daniels or the other way around. So if you kind of look at those markets and where they're sitting right now, I think Drake May at minus 135 makes sense. But Washington's been linked to Jaden Daniels a lot, too. And at plus 160, or plus 145, sorry, for second overall, I mean, that that's still in... Like, I do believe that Washington has not made... like by any stretch of the imagination, a decision on those two. They really want to sit there and, and, and try and figure that thing out. But you know how it gets, right? We get closer to the draft, and you start seeing all of a sudden those odds just start getting shorter, and, sh- and it's just an ugly price, and you go, oh, damn it, they know something already, and I didn't jump on it fast enough. Do you think that as a, as a Commanders fan, you would be concerned, uh, given the history with RG3 and the slenderness yes. of Jaden Daniels, yes. if they were to, yes. to draft him at two? Very much so. I watch him and I see a quarterback that has an insane amount of talent. But I just, I I remember so vividly 2012 and how great that year was and how it ended. And no, they're not the same quarterback. It's not the same mindset. But RG3 loved to take a hit because he wanted to show how tough he was. And and it doesn't take you very much. You go watch some film on Jaden Daniels this year and some of the hits he's taken where he looks like a cartoon character getting speared, turning into a sideways U, just getting push backwards five yards and that's an alarming thing to see you know I think Drake May and Jane Daniels are obviously they both have the potential to be great quarterbacks right but you really have to kind of assess all of those other things because they are different both physically and in the mindset and in the way that they play it is absolutely something even though there's nobody in the organization really that's making decisions that was there when RG3 was there you think about that kind of stuff the fan base thinks about that kind of stuff everybody does and it's absolutely something that I think any team around the NFL is going to be worried about. So get ready. We got two months of this. There's going to be a lot of line coming. Bet MGM tonight. 
Yeah, if you're looking at both sides of the ball, the answer is probably Houston. And I know that sounds weird. Um, you think of them offensively. They are so good rebounding the basketball and they do not turn it over that that's what sort of stems their consistency. Now, they can stagnate. They can miss shots. But I think they're so good offensive rebounding and, I'm, and they're so good protecting the ball that it makes them very, very difficult to, to throw off their game. And the defense is there 100% of the time. They've made elite eight runs last couple of years without key guys in the lineup. I think a more healthy Houston team this season with Arsenault excluded, he was hurt earlier in the year, can make a deep run, make a final four. We're back with BetMGM tonight on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. That was Kai McEwen earlier in the show. Check out the podcast and hear what he had to say as we get closer and closer to March Madness conference tournaments, which is not technically March Madness, but it is March Madness, I guess, if you just want to take the branding out of the whole thing. That was, of course, other than UConn, who you and I both, Trista, still very much like UConn. Uh, you were on the UConn train very early last year. I bet him before the tournament to win the tournament and felt very good about that. And it feels like a team that, you know, certainly has the potential to go back there again and put themselves in that same position. But like, if you look at college basketball right now, it's Purdue, it's UConn and it's Houston who just feel like they've separated themselves from everybody else. The problem is we all know Purdue is per don't once you get to the tournament. So you feel like you just want to cross them off the list until otherwise proven until proven. Otherwise, I don't want that. And I worry sometimes about Houston offensively. So I look at UConn and go, is UConn really head and shoulders above everybody else technically because they have some of that experience? And then you're looking at maybe a team like Arizona coming. Like, it's it's going to be a wild tournament, but I just, I still, I can't under any circumstances, can't under any circumstances trust Purdue. Can't do it. No, no, especially considering that they're plus 650 uh, to, to win the whole thing. They're second in terms of the odds, shortest odds, to win the tournament. Mm -hmm. There's no way Purdue's winning the tournament. I just don't see it. I don't know how Zach Eady has gotten better playing basketball to a point where he's not getting run off the floor again. We saw them play multiple times in the tournament and get bounced by lesser teams. So until I see something differently, I cannot bet Purdue at all. I like Houston plus 950. That's kind of an interesting number. Don't think I could do Tommy Lloyd in Arizona. I'm looking at like some teams further down the board. I already have UConn at 11 to one. So I'm thinking mm -hmm. like a team maybe like Creighton at 30 to one. That's an interesting number, right? They've played really good basketball. They went deep in the tournament last year. I watched them play in Louisville against San Diego State. So they're a team that obviously has the pedigree. They have size uh, in Kalkbrenner. They've has some transfers come over at the guard position that's helped them a little bit. So I like Creighton a little bit. That's probably the only only team, like we talked to Kai as well about Iowa State, wouldn't take them at 20 to 1 if their absolute ceiling is uh, is the Elite Eight. Maybe Kansas, 20 to 1. Yeah, you know, it's funny too. I'm sitting here looking at just, just resumes at this point for some of these, even just the, the teams that we could expect being one seeds, right? And, like, they're all kind of the same in terms of, you know, quad one competition, right? Quad one games, UConn, Purdue, both 9-3, and three, Houston 7-3. and three. They're both unbeaten quad two. Like, they're beating the teams they're supposed to. They're playing well against the competition that they should. But one thing does stand out to me a little bit. 
Houston's strength of schedule sits at 209. I mean, that is a big difference between even 80 for UConn, 8 for Purdue, 26 for North Carolina. And you start looking at that and you go, like, is that going to be something that comes back to affect Houston later on down the road? It's not going to affect their resume. They're going to be a one seed barring something crazy happen. But, like, you kind of sometimes almost have to look and see if, and, I, and Ken Barkley loves to talk about this a lot, it's like the paper Tigers, right? Like, teams that you that look great during the regular season when you start digging down in their resume you look at some of the competition they've played and you worry that you know maybe that comes and affects them when it comes tournament time but yeah I'm with you like Kansas listen Kansas is just one of those programs right it's a blue blood you can't rule them out North Carolina has now shown us that you know under Hubert Davis they are a legit contender now for a national title again they've already been to one uh, you know championship game and then the roller coaster went down, and then it's gone back up, and they've really started to show us now. I think things have leveled out with that program. So North Carolina is somebody that you certainly look in the mix. But, I mean, look, we could have another – I mean, I think if there's any year for us to really start doing what you did, right, we're, we're looking down at some of the, the longer odds, some of the teams that could pull off an upset – to parlay that into a couple more and they start rolling and all of a sudden they're in the final four. This is really the year to do it because of all of the parity that we've got around college basketball, which like Kai said, it's, it's, it's more than we've had in the past. And it's all really come to a head now as some of these teams that have, you know, the, the COVID year guys still out there and you've added these extra veterans and it's just, it's kind of extended certain programs and they've got the extra veteran leadership that maybe they wouldn't have had before. Yeah, you're right. I mean, we're getting, with NIL as well, you're you're incentivizing players to stay longer in college basketball in a way that really it was not mm-hmm. happening before that, right? And certain NBA teams, like with Jaime Jaquez in UCLA, they want a player yeah. that has played uh, all three or four years, right? So that helps you in the tournament. And that's why I like UConn. They've got obviously championship pedigree, but a lot of older players on this team. So... I like UConn. Don't love them at five to one though. The the value there is gone. You'll pro what I would do with UConn is actually just take them against the spread in the tournament every single game. They've been a monster against non conference teams and even this year against conference uh opponents too. You know, it's funny. UConn is the second biggest liability now uh for Bet MGM, only behind, well, no surprise in terms of at least uh well one liability, Duke. Kentucky. And then it's UConn, oh, yeah. and then it's Kansas. Of course, like then, I mean, Kentucky's probably gonna be looking at like being a five seed. But this happens. That's what one of the things I do love when you see like the biggest liabilities. It was what we got during the regular season in college football too, where Colorado for a while was the biggest liability to win the national title. Right. And you're looking, going, people, pump the brakes here, okay? Stop getting caught up in the moment. And that's why we try to teach people, hey, maybe you like don't get too excited here. Pump the brakes. There's a lot of betters that know that. There's some that don't. We want them all to uh, maybe see the light and, like, let, let's be smart about this. Kentucky, no. UConn, yes, I get it. And Kansas, I could I could certainly understand. And that's, like, that's pretty much across the board in terms of ticket, in terms of handle, liability. It goes Kentucky, UConn, Kansas all the way through. So uh, you're looking at still a lot of these blue bloods where people just I – think, I think a lot of the public will just gravitate to a name – as opposed to necessarily trying yeah. to find something that's, you know, less glamorous. And, like, UConn was not a glamorous, flashy team last year, but you could see something there. There was a culture, there was a toughness, and they had that mental fortitude that would get them through the tournament. Yeah, I would not bet on Kentucky. They need to focus on... Mm-mm. Well, like, they're, they're down 71-67 right now, and... Like, they just haven't performed in tournament action. You see what Coach Cal has done. 
I don't know if it's his recruiting tactics. I don't know if it's just the way that the game has changed, but you really can't trust him. Yeah, and you know it's funny too. Like you're going to get kind of the regions are all going to be set here. So even being the number one overall seed in this isn't going to necessarily matter as much in the tournament. Like Purdue's Purdue's going to the Midwest. UConn will be set up in the East. Houston will be in the South. Like you know sometimes the regionals the regions don't make sense, and you want to have that opportunity to be in a better region closer to your fans. These top these, all these one seeds are pretty much going to to likely get that. So you know it's. I think there's certainly at least a little bit of an advantage for those top seeds there being closer to some of their fan bases. But, yeah, I gravitate away from Kentucky, I think, without question. But I'm with you. I still like, in a year that feels so unpredictable, I want to go with at least the program that I find reasons to check all of the boxes, right? And UConn, I feel like you can check a lot of the boxes, including just something simple as the experience of having been there last year. No, you're right. You're right. That's why I would look at even like an FAU. I mean, not to actually take to feel like they're going to win it all, but you're going to get a lot of hedging opportunities mm. too. Some of these teams that have similar rosters as last year that went deep into the tournament, Houston lost a few, you know, players as well, Marcus Sasser and Jarris Walker being, you know, two of the main ones, <clears throat> plus 950. But if you look further down the board, I think, and you look at just kind of the way that the roster was constructed, last year versus this year and if there's some sort of similarities and <clears throat> continuity and older players for sure like we just talked about I think there's going to be value in, in what Kai McEwen says was a very very wide open tournament yeah and, and like that makes it fun but god it's going to be so frustrating for us I, I don't know did you mention Marquette at all at 25 to 1 I think Marquette's somebody to at least I did not you know, consider here too yeah I think that's another one I would at least look at again I mean we're, we're talking about a team here that you know was it they they've 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 played in the Big East. They've had themselves one of the tougher schedules this year, so they're they're tested against a lot of competition. Uh, so a, again, if you're looking at somebody beyond a one seed, which there's a good chance this tournament ends up having no one seeds in the Final Four, because again, it's the unpredictability and where you get. So Marquette would maybe be another one to certainly throw out there too. Uh, once a day, play the BetMGM free to play BetMGM fast break for a chance to win daily prizes. You can play as the point guard. You could choose to pass to Kevin Garnett or Jalen Rose. You could take it in yourself for a dunk. If you score, you win a prize. You could get a bonus bet. It's right there at the top. You got the tabs. You got the picture. You got the whole little logo thing with it. I saw it. It looks cool. Boom. You go in there and you do it. And that's all you need. Uh, Trista, right now, at one point, the Wizards were down two at halftime to the Warriors. Oh, don't you worry. 104-89, Golden yes. State over the Wizards. Now 8.43 to go in the fourth quarter. Steph is 2 of 11, though, for just eight points in this one. It's been all Klay Thompson off the bench again. 25 points. I mean, it's worked out well. It's worked out well with him coming off the bench. Jordan Poole's got 10 for the Wizards, though. He's 4 of 13, so not really much of a revenge game against uh, against his Warriors. Yeah, that's rough. That's rough for Jordan Poole. 20 minutes, uh, not an efficient performance, not from behind the arc either. But there's still time. There's still nine minutes for him to get four more buckets. Draymond Green already hit his assist number. His number was 5.5. He needed eight rebounds. Not sure if that's going to happen. This game's kind of gross. You look at the box score, and nobody's really doing anything. I, I Probably Steph Curry's prop number. I didn't look at it before because it just didn't feel like uh, the right moment to take it. It's definitely in the 30s. He has eight points, and there's eight minutes left to go in the fourth quarter. And that Mavs game right now, Dallas is up 98-97 on the Cavs. you got seven minutes to go in the fourth Woo. quarter. 
Luka right now has 42 points, 7 rebounds, 11 assists. He's 5 of 8 from 3. Another 23 for Kyrie. He's 4 of 6 from 3 with another 6 rebounds and 3 assists. So those two, maybe it is going to work. I don't know if they're going to be anything more than a play-in team, but at least they're finding ways to both get buckets together. (laughs) No doubt. Franz Wagner just needs one more bucket, baby. One more. There you go. There you go. And Donovan Mitchell, 25 points, five rebounds, three assists. So he's not so sick anymore. He's hit five threes. Hey, I'll just tell you this. If a guy's coming off being sick, I'm going to give him a game. Show me that you're back, and then I'll start taking the over on all your any prop. Because when we're sick, it takes a little bit of time, that's for sure. Another hour coming up. Bet MGM tonight.